Welcome to another awesome episode of Encounter Grow Witness, the podcast for and by uh, lay ecclesial ministers and mission direct people in the Archdiocese of Detroit, serving and supporting and helping to grow the movement of Unleash the Gospel. We're here with everyone's favorite Encounter Grow Witness uh, host, Beth Spazarni. Beth, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Father Steve? A-OK. God is good. He's given us a beautiful May and uh, just grateful for that. Yeah. It's amazing. And we have this awesome guest with us, our director of Priestly Vocations, the host of the hit podcast, Men of the Hearts, Father Craig Gira. Hey, Father Craig. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Father Stephen Beth. Good to have you. Glad you're great here. Great to be here. Yeah. yeah. Big commute for you, I think, from <laughs> down the hall. <laughs> no, no, I actually live in Divine Child. So oh, okay. A little, nice. little bit away. So. Which your office is yeah, down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually live here at the seminary, so it's uh, always a pretty easy commute. So, Beth, Father Craig, thanks for making the trip today and uh, being together. Uh, we're, we are starting a year of prayer for priestly vocations in the Archdiocese of Detroit, so we're going to talk with Father Gira about that in a little bit, but we want to start off. This is the time that people are starting to think about summer, uh, school getting out, planning those vacations, thinking about how to enjoy the beautiful weather that we have been waiting for months to have here in uh, Metro Detroit. And um, just wanted to kind of kick it off by asking, what is the ideal summer vacation? Mm-hmm. Beth, what, what is your ideal summer vacation? I don't really know. Last year we went to Grand Rapids in Holland, and it was just lovely to see the lake. To, we yeah. went to um, a great place called Dutch Village, which is just like family-friendly, like amusement park. There's ducks walking around and the carousel, wow. and the kids kind of thought it was like the best thing in the whole <laughs> world. <laughs> uh, but I would like to see the ocean. Did you go to the Meyer Sculpture Garden? Um, No, we haven't. Is it nice? Oh, of course. Yeah, I don't know if my five-year-old boy would be psyched about it, but I I wanted to. Yeah, there's some really cool art there. Are there? Okay. Yeah, you can climb on some of it, too. Interactive. Interactive. Mm -hmm. They have a whole village that looks like a a Japanese village, (laughs) is it? Father Steve has a great story about this. What? Father Craig and I went there last year. It was like uh-huh. March last year. We yeah. were walking around, and I, we don't need to get into all the details, but I might have damaged something, thinking what? I could move, thinking something was a gate, and it wasn't. It and wasn't. I ripped some... Yeah, whatever. Like uh, my apologies to the Meyer Garden. It just it was garden. nice. It and was serene, not. It was not a work of art that I ruined. Quiet, and we're just yeah. sitting there in the lake, and he's like, "This should open up," and he starts just slamming on it. Oh, it flies up in the air and like plinks down. And there's no way to get it. We just kind of walk away slowly oh, before anybody comes. Oh, uh, no. Father Craig was very embarrassed to be with me that time. No, so it was okay. that was, it was good. That was fun. Was good. We didn't see the butterflies though. Everybody was there for the blur- butterfly exhibit, and yeah, we're like. We got the mm-hmm. uh, we got the yeah. zoo. We don't need that. So uh, anyway, nice. Grand Rapids, <laughs> yeah, Dutch Holland. Village, great time. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah, Father Craig, ideal summer vacation other than destroying outdoor sculptures with me. Um, I I like going to museums. So hitting to a city somewhere where I can sleep in really really late, drink <laughs> a pot of coffee, uh, listen to music, <laughs> watch some TV, YouTube videos, read. Then go out to the art museum. Oh, get a breakfast. Breakfast is important okay. on, uh, yeah. on uh, vacation. And then just sleep in. Yeah. Do nothing else. Yeah, Can you really drink favorite. a pot of coffee? Oh, yeah, definitely. 
How, how like pretty quickly? No, no. I mean, throughout the day. Okay. Do you drink it from the pot, or do you use <laughs> a, a transporting <laughs> vessel like a mug? <laughs> well, when I'm on vacation, I have to go somewhere and get it. So oh, I don't okay, know if it's okay. necessarily a pot. Okay. But, you know, a number of cups, especially if I'm at breakfast. Does one cup? What happens if you have one cup? It's not enough. Okay. I'm not fully satisfied. I Will those around you recognize the difference between one cup and full pot? I don't know. Father maybe, Craig. maybe, maybe not. Hmm. I don't know. Need to do more research and collect some more data on this. <laughs> yes. I'll start working on that project. <laughs> uh, what well, about you? Yeah, I I really love, I think like most of us love being outside in the summer. You know, the the beautiful weather we have, especially you know, here in Michigan, we we go through a long winter, difficult weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so any chance to be outside, I've had the opportunity to go to a number of national parks uh, for vacation with various friends, sometimes with family. And I, I just love our national parks. So there's one about as far away in Michigan you can get to Isle Royal, which is about a 10-hour drive and then a mm. three-hour ferry ride at oh the boy. end of the drive, way north of the Keweenaw Peninsula in the UP and did a, a little um, backpacking trip there a few years ago. Mm. Really loved it. So mm. sounds, like, chance... sounds like my personal hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you talk about you have to like sleep with strangers in a little cabin or something like strangers? that. Strangers? Yeah, didn't no, you like you no. all had to like bunk down because of... No, 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 no. I mean, so you're sleeping outside, it's campsites and whatnot, but you know, there, there's lots of people around. It was a fantastic trip. So I, I really love, love nice. being outside, nice. love doing Doing some camping or at least doing some hiking. What's the longest you've gone camping? Uh, like backpacking. Okay. Five yeah. five nights backpacking. Yeah, right. sure. I did the Camino, which isn't really backpacking because you're staying indoors. We did that mm. for uh, 11 nights. Um, and then otherwise, you know, tent camping, uh, driving to a site and being there. Done that a week, a couple of times. Okay. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully all of our listeners get some uh, opportunities this summer to get some vacation, some rest, relaxation, mm. go to a museum if you have to. But mm-hmm. uh, Air conditioning, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but, you know, nice. the summer is a time to just experience God's grace in our lives in a, in a mm-hmm. way that oftentimes we might be busy during the rest of the year. And I know sometimes mm-hmm. summer can be a chance to do that as a family or mm-hmm. as an individual. Um, but we really want to talk today about uh, the priestly vocations and hear from Father Craig about that. Awesome. Yeah, we've got the year of prayer, too, coming up. But, you know, obviously you've been the director of priestly, priestly vocations for two and a half years, I think. Correct. So, you know, what, what, a, what is a vocation director? A vocation director is someone who walks with a man trying to discover what their vocation in life is. I mean, it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. I mean, it. it it can get really complicated with all these different, you know, things we can do with discernment weekends or discernment days mm-hmm. and, you know, what what different programs we should have in our parishes and different things like mm-hmm. that. But it's just as simple as just walking with someone and letting mm-hmm. them know what God might be doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what it is in art and accompaniment with working with young men of, mm-hmm. okay, what's God telling you in prayer? Mm-hmm. And let's go mm-hmm. from there. It's as simple as that, but as complicated as that as well, because, uh, you know, the spiritual life is not necessarily the most easiest thing in the world. So, Mm. True. So if a young man is thinking about the priesthood, and when you say young man, that could be, 
kids in high school, college? What, what's the kind of range you would Yeah, well, think? we're not going to accept anybody in high school, although I did find out that there are still a couple high school seminaries in the nation um, okay. that you can send uh, your child to if, if that's something that you think would be helpful. Um, but but not, not here in Detroit? Not here in Detroit, no. No, but after high school, so if a, a man is thinking about it in high school, junior, senior, although um, we do have discernment days for high schoolers, and they'll come mm. to the seminary just all day Saturday. We'll have mass. The archbishop has come to those and talked to them. We talk a little bit about Great. discernment. We have a holy hour, yeah. a meal with the seminarians, just to kind of get a feel of what seminary life is like. Mm. Um, for the older guys, we do have a discernment weekend, and that's about four days with the seminarians. Uh, so they'll come on a Thursday evening with the all-seminarian holy hour, where one mm. of the faculty members usually preaches. And there's usually some type of uh, refreshments afterwards and kind of getting to know the seminarians and talking mm. to them about their vocation stories. They get to go to class with them on Friday. Mm. This kind of just be a part of the community and see mm. what life would like be like here at the seminary. Because, mm. I mean, it's hard to discover your vocation just like, I already know I'm going to be this type of priest and do this in my life. And <laughs> it's just like, let's just take the next step. Mm. Is seminary life for you? Can you mm. see yourself here? Do you picture yourself living here? Mm-hmm. That's a good step in yeah. the right direction, you know? Yeah. We don't even mm-hmm. have to have it all figured out. Mm. What's the age range? So you said if someone's in later high school, they might reach out to you and you could begin that conversation, you're saying. Yeah. Um, but mostly it's people after high school, right, in college or beyond. What, what would the age range be most of the time of the young man, or maybe not so young, <laughs> that you talk to? Yeah, I think mostly I talk to men that are out of high school or usually finishing up college or in the middle of college somewhere, and they feel mm-hmm. this kind of inkling that God might be calling me to the priesthood. I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. kind of scared about it, or I really don't have that much of a desire to be a priest, mm-hmm. but somehow I feel like God is calling me. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. you help me out? And that's the mm-hmm. type of conversations that I have. Mm-hmm. But I've talked with high school kids as well and maybe worked with their parents or worked with them of like, okay, what do you need to do to prepare yourself if that's something mm-hmm. that you want to do is applied to the seminary right out of high school? Mm-hmm. And the same with a man who's in college. What do you want to do if you want to apply, if you're going to finish your degree? Or mm-hmm. does it make sense if you really feel called to the priesthood to leave wherever you're at in college and come mm. to the seminary. Because, yeah. of course, seminary is an accredited college as well. So you're, mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. lot of your credits will transfer over. I hear the faculty is very good at Sacred Heart. They're, they're, some of them. They're the best. Some they're of them. The <laughs> They've got a new guy. <laughs> no, I don't not know. all of them. <laughs> Still figuring everyone out. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, Beth. What do you look for in candidates, you know, and what are the some of the basic things you encourage them to try to cultivate or develop? Preferalness. I think yeah. is really, really important because, I mean, you come to the seminary and prayer is a lot of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll ask you for a holy hour every single day, mass mm-hmm. every single day, hopefully doing a rosary every single day. Mm-hmm. So if you're not used to that, it could be quite shocking. Mm-hmm. So a, a man who's seeking for truth and really trying to understand what God is saying to him, will just get in the habit of praying a little mm-hmm. bit more. And that's sort of kind of going back all the way to the beginning of just why I like vacation like that is because Mm -hmm. a lot of my day is prayer even on a day off or a Mm -hmm. vacation. I mean, praying your holy hour, doing mass, praying your office, you know, Mm -hmm. you got a couple hours in already and you're (laughs) like, all right, 
Prayer and coffee. Prayer and coffee. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So prayerfulness mm. would be one yeah. one character. It sounds like the most important one, right? I Someone think one of loves, the most important ones definitely. Loves the Lord and loves, loves Lord. spending time with the Lord. Seeking truth. Um, mm. And then yeah. also a heart of service, mm. wanting to do something like, do you do anything at your parish? Are you an altar server? Do you read? Are you mm. a lector? Do you help out at the soup kitchen? Do you mm-hmm. help St. Vincent de Paul? Something like that. If, if he's not doing anything for his community, that, mm. that that could be really hard to discover if you're called to the priesthood, mm-hmm. if you're not doing anything that would be in service of others. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Kind of like trying to run a marathon when you haven't done any training, right? When you haven't yeah, done yeah. little mm-hmm. steps or... Uh, yeah, you can okay. always dream about it, but until you're doing it, you don't know if you like it or not. Like in my head, mm. I'm the best snowboarder there is. Right? <laughs> like I can jump off jumps, I can do half pipe stuff. Yeah, I've never snowboarded in my life, but in my head, <laughs> I'm the best, right? So we need to get out of our head. I think mm. is what I'm telling some of these young men. I think they think about it so much, and they yeah. kind of drive themselselves crazy. Of like, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? You got to yeah. kind of just move in the right direction and say, make a choice. You know. It might be the wrong choice, but at least you know now, yep. and then you can go in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot like dating, too, when you think of, like, okay, you could see this beautiful girl that you're attracted to, or maybe you work with, or you're in class with, and you think, wow, you know, I, she seems really great. And you ask, well, have you ever talked with her? Have you ever spent time with her? Or gone out on a date with her and you know the version in your head might be different than the version in reality and so I think that's really good advice to Mm -hmm. do things at your parish or do things in the church to see would my life of service for God and for the church in this way uh, especially at a parish Mm -hmm. um, is that something I would really enjoy something that fits with my gifts, my talents, my desires, things like that. So, Father Craig, I think that's that's really yeah, good advice. It's creating experiences, and experiences help you lead you in the right direction. You know, like, I really love helping the poor. I really mm. love the soup kitchen. I love sitting down with some of these guys afterwards and talking to them. If, if that's something that you really enjoy doing, you know, you might have a heart for service right there. You know, yeah. this could be leading you to the priesthood until you try it. You'll never know. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a young man the other day. He was uh, saying how he has been discerning the CFRs, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all about like extreme poverty and yeah. everything like that. And he's like, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. So like, CFRs are a religious order, correct? Uh, a kind of Franciscans, a branch of Franciscans, right? Correct. Yeah, but they're they're to a strict order where they're a little bit more poor than I. I don't know all. Yeah. All of it. But, <clears throat> yeah. you know, it's they live sense. a life of po- poverty. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And he really enjoyed it. And he was with them for a number of months. And I was like, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. that's great data that you received. Because in my head, I could do that when, with a cup of coffee in my hand <laughs> as I'm like in the air conditioning <laughs> right. room. Right. But I know I couldn't do it for right. my whole life. Yeah. So I knew I, wouldn't, I wasn't called to a religious order. Right. You know, it could right. be as simple as that. And sometimes I tell guys, you know what? I couldn't pick a religious order because I couldn't pick a habit that I like the best. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, yeah. but that and living with other people yeah. um, was like, it's a no deal, right? So I knew it was going to be diocesan <laughs> priesthood. So, so the two distinctions here, religious order and diocesan priesthood. Correct. Right? correct. Okay. And what's the main difference between the two other than you don't have to live with others and you don't, don't have to pick <laughs> Which a Which is funny because I do live with others right now, but I do have my own separate space. Um, you know, religious order, you live, uh, you know, in community with a number of different uh, men in that religious order. 
and you live out a specific charism, whatever that is, whether it be like the Dominicans who are the order of preachers and they teach, or the Franciscans who help out the poor, uh, and you live that lifestyle uh, together as a community, and that could be anywhere in the world, wherever province that you're a part of. Whereas a diocesan priest, you would be a most likely 98% a parish priest, and you would stay in the Detroit diocese or whatever Mm -hmm. diocese you were studying for. Okay. And yeah, being in a parish is yeah. the focus. And we make to, we make promises. We don't make vows, and yeah. one of them we don't make a, a vow of poverty at yeah, all. Right? Yeah. Simplicity, but like not poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Father Craig, what are the steps towards a man? So take a, a guy twenty years old in college, saying, "I think you know, got this itch about the priesthood or this inclination. How do I go? How does a guy go from there?" to actually entering the seminary. Yeah. So first I think, you know, as most of the new generation will probably look around online and <laughs> look at different religious orders, look at different videos about mm-hmm. priesthood and discernment and just, you know, if you're excited about that, then there's something there. Mm-hmm. Keep on looking and get excited more and more about it. But when you get to a point where like, I can't do any more on my own, reach out to somebody, reach out to your pastor, reach out to your family. If you feel weird and you don't want people to know in your life, Uh, Like I was, I didn't tell my family or or anybody really Mm. in my life until I was sure that I was going Mm. to apply to the seminary. So Mm. reach out to me uh, and then we can begin a conversation. We'll probably set up a phone conversation and kind of just talk a little bit, answer Mm. questions and things like that. Uh, Maybe invite you out to discernment weekend or a discernment Mm. group where we get together and just talk about, you know, Mm. what discernment is about and and what's going on in our lives and kind of seeing what other guys are going through and you kind of relate to them as well. Um, after that, maybe come and have another meeting uh, at the seminary, get a tour of the seminary, see what it's like. And from there, mm-hmm. um, maybe put together a plan of life for the man if he's not praying enough or mm-hmm. if he's not involved in his parish, get him connected to his pastor, to the different things that are going on in the parish. And then if he feels like, okay, I, I really like this, I want to kind of move forward, I, I have a really in-depth conversation with him and kind of mm-hmm. look at all aspects of his life because your life is a little bit of, of, of an open book really when you're applying mm-hmm. because it's it's a relationship like you said father steve mm-hmm. so not only is mm-hmm. he discerning but we're discerning as well uh the, you know the church to see if this is the right fit for him and if this mm-hmm. is the right fit for the people of god will this will this man be a good priest mm. so we open up his life and i look at that and if everything is okay and everything seems like we're in we're in the right place at the right time then we'll mm. move forward with the application mm. so the application itself is is a large application again it's about I don't know, about 20 pages of different Mm -hmm. questions. You need to get a number of different references, your transcripts. Mm -hmm. There's a physical exam, psychological exam, uh, essays that you need to write. So it's pretty in depth, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to apply. And then we take all of that information once that's all compiled. I am the advocate. So we have an admissions meeting uh, with the seminary, the formators there, Mm -hmm. and they'll be looking at all of this information. And then I'll speak on behalf of the, of the man Mm -hmm. uh, to hopefully get accepted to the seminary. Mm. When, um, when men first reach out, how many of them express some trepidation or fear? I think for the most part, everybody really. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's like I don't know this has been here, mm. it's come and gone. Um, mm. I feel it. Um, 
I didn't want to move on with this relationship because I felt maybe I was called to the priesthood mm. or I don't know if I really want to be a priest, but somehow mm. I keep on getting this in prayer. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of that. What would you, do you have any advice or thing, suggestions for what folks can, what we as just lay Catholics speaking for the lay Catholics can do to help dispel any of that? I mean, I realize some of it is, you know, you can't, it, it is, I'm sure there's a lot to, to think about because it's sort of like jumping off a diving board, even just to pick up the phone and call you, I would guess. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm sensitive that I just, I hear us talking in different Catholic spaces about, we sort of have this continual sense that, well, God doesn't want me to be happy. So I'm sure if I really ask God what he wants, he'll send me to be a, a missionary in Africa and be poor and not have any of my friends or any of the things that seem to make me happy there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just sensitive that we we use those, we, we joke about that sort of thing in our everyday conversations. And I'm just wondering culturally, or if you have any ideas for how we could just be build a culture that's more supportive of vocations, more supportive of just trusting God and his plan for our lives. Yeah, I think it just needs to start at a young age. You know, mm-hmm. so all aspects of ministry needs to be injected with vocations. You know, if we're doing uh, marriage prep, talk about, mm-hmm. you know, raising kids. What are our kids going to do when they grow up? What is God asking of them? baptismal Mm -hmm. preparation, talking about all these different things. And then especially as the kids go through religious education or through Catholic schools, Mm -hmm. that they hear this word vocations over and over and over, Mm -hmm. that it's not something that's sort of pushed back. I never heard that before. (laughs) Is that a trade school? What what does vocations mean? Is I'm going to be a plumber or something like that? Because they've never heard it. And then no one actually sits there and, and you know, hey, have you ever thought about being a priest? Mm-hmm. Um, I never received that in, in all my years of religious education. No one said, mm-hmm. hey, have you ever thought about the priesthood that mm-hmm. just wasn't ever brought up? Mm-hmm. So talking about it is as simple as that. Yep. Well, speaking of talking about it, the Archbishop called for a year of prayer for priestly vocations, mm-hmm. and that is getting started pretty soon. Could you tell us a bit about a bit about that? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have any man being ordained to the priesthood this year. Mm. And it's it's been getting harder and harder to get guys into the seminary, and uh, we're kind of seeing a slow decline of the amount of ordinations that we're having. And of course, there are more guys who are retiring or getting sick mm-hmm. uh, than guys being ordained. And in a few short years, about 10 years, we're going to literally have about half the amount of priests that we have today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And if you just think about that right now, half the amount of priests that we have today. Like, what is our parish life going to look like? You know, very different. Are all the masses that we love going to, are they always going to be around? Mm. Is it going to be easy to get a hold of Father when we want marriage prep or we need confession or different things like that? Mm So we really need to bring this uh, to God and saying, hey, we need more men. But I think the average person sitting in the pews does not feel the priest shortage. Right, because yeah. I think guys fill in the gap. They love doing it. They want to serve. They love their mm-hmm. parishioners. So yeah, you know, if I have to do five six masses on the weekend, I'll do five six masses mm-hmm. on the weekend. And that funeral that comes in, and that marriage prep, mm-hmm. and yeah. those confessions, and then you want me to do this over here and mm-hmm. teach over here. And I think guys are going to get burnt out living that. It's not a healthy way to mm-hmm. live. And while the sacrifice is great, and and commendable at the same time it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. so i think what this year of prayer is going to do first of course our prayers are strong prayers Mm -hmm. are powerful Mm -hmm. if we believe with faith 
we can move mountains and we're moving something harder than a mountain, right? We're moving someone's heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've talked to young men and I'm like, well, why do you think God is calling you to the priesthood? Well, every time my priest talks about it at mass or every time we pray for vocations, mm-hmm. I feel something going on in my life and my soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we need to be doing that more. So our prayers are going to be super powerful. Mm-hmm. Through, throughout this whole year, we're going to be praying the same prayer at all the Sunday masses as a community, mm-hmm. which is going to be awesome. We have holy hours set up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want rosaries to be prayed, um, fasting on First Fridays mm-hmm. for this intention. Our prayer is going to be strong. Mm-hmm. Secondly, what it's going to do is it's going to bring to attention these numbers that most people don't know. Yeah. You know, why are we praying for more priests? I haven't felt any shortage mm-hmm. of priests. Well, yeah. let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. You know, and I think it will get people to say, okay, this is important. We need to do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we could honestly say, well, we need more marriages. Yeah, of course. We need more religious sisters. Yeah, of course. But what do we need right now? We need more priests. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. The fact that we don't have anyone being ordained for the Archdiocese of Detroit this year for the first time, I don't know, in my lifetime, in our lifetime, yeah. it's mm-hmm. been maybe mm-hmm. the first time ever. Um, but certainly in a long, long time, should highlight us to the radical need we have for more mm-hmm. priests in the Archdiocese yeah. of Detroit. Yeah, Lansing did a holy hour once when they didn't have any ordinations, mm-hmm. and the next year they had 12 guys come into the seminary. Yeah, And then another um, diocese did that, and they mm-hmm. doubled the amount of guys in the seminary yeah. within a year. So wow. I have great hopes. I yeah. hope to be like super busy with phone calls and meetings. Sounds and, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when mm-hmm. when is this year? When does it start? It's going to start on the vigil of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Normally when we would have our ordinations at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, we're inviting all the pastors and their parishioners to come and, and to celebrate this holy hour, uh, to sit before the Lord and to plead on behalf mm-hmm. of you know everybody here in the Archdiocese. We need more priests. And then pray mm-hmm. for courage for these young men and conviction, mm-hmm. right? Because before, and I don't know, during your time, it used to be try it on, right? You know, hey, try it on. Like, mm. we're way past the try it on day. We're like, we need you now. <laughs> like, and I think that's what men need in the world today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they need a challenge. They need an adventure. They need a problem to solve. Well, come to the priest. <laughs> You'll have all yeah. of that. <laughs> right, right. So this will run right. June 4th uh, this year, right? Correct. So All the uh, way to Pentecost next year. So Pentecost of 2023. Correct. Okay. And we'll be praying all throughout the archdiocese that the Lord, uh, I think you put it very beautifully, right? That God gives the men courage that they need to respond to their co- their call, conviction and courage and confidence. Lots of other C words, I'm sure. I can't mm-hmm. think of right now. Uh, but he also, the, the fact that he kind of emboldens us, that maybe mm-hmm. there's someone in our parish who could benefit from a word of encouragement, like like you talked about, saying, have you ever thought of being a priest? Um, mm-hmm. I got that all the time. Did you get that? I got that sometimes, yep. I got that all the time. People would call me father. And I'd just be in the grocery store. It wasn't mm-hmm. even at church. And I'd get something down from the shelf, and mm-hmm. the person would be like, thank you, father. Hmm. Why'd you call me father? And just something was there. And Were I, you wearing well, priest clothes when no, you no, shouldn't? No, no, oh, okay. a, je- right, a right. jeans and a black t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> jeans and a black t-shirt. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know what I get often now when I wear my collar to different places? What do you get? Do you work here? 
Oh. oh, yeah, you've told me yeah, this, yeah. right? <laughs> do you work here? <laughs> and what do you say? I work everywhere. How can I help you? <laughs> Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then I, they I, look me up and down. They're like, nah, you don't work here. <laughs> but so I'll funny. help you. What do you need? <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, yeah. man. We had a priest come and give a talk at Shrine, I don't know, in the last few months. I forget when it was. But he mentioned that he had been at Shrine for some time. And then when the archbishop or when there was some call to go elsewhere, he was, like, delighted to get out of Shrine. <laughs> and the parishioners <laughs> were emailing me, like, why did why did he, like, want to get out of Shrine? And um, they're like, I mean, are we terrible? And I, it's just a busy community. That's why, you know. But they, I think that... When I kind of shared a little bit of what, what a priest day might look like, they had no idea, right? Because it's not often like a lot of a priest's life would be hidden to your average yeah. parishioner. They would see mass, they would see confessions, but they rarely would be in the meeting planning the funeral or the meeting for the wedding or the, the problem with the committee or homily the anointing. Prep. Yeah, homily prep, all those other things, you know. So I do think part of it is going to be helping to celebrate and... and um, and honor all the different sacrifices that our priests are making, which I think many of our parishioners aren't aware of. Yeah. And every vocation comes with a sacrifice, That's right? True. You're married, there's a sacrifice there. Mm-hmm. You become a priest, there's a sacrifice there. But if we're called to that specific vocation, God's going to see us through those sacrifices. That's and right. actually, it's going to bring us life. Right? That's it's right. the paradox. When we lose our life is when we gain it. Yeah. Right? We need to lose our life more. We do. So on the Detroit Priestly Vocations website, there's a whole microsite or whatever, a whole other site. A landing page called Pray landing for Vocations. Page. A landing um, page, prayforvocations.com. And it yep. gives a number of ways that we can support vocations, right? Yep. Both individually, but also speaking to our audience of lay ecclesial ministers, parish uh, mission support, or sorry, mm-hmm. mission direct teams. And those. so some of those ways are, are praying as a community or praying individually. And yep. you recommend praying the luminous mysteries. I do. I do. Uh, I think the Blessed Mother is the surest way to Jesus Christ. And mm. she's the one who saw the wine run out at the wedding mm. in the Cana. And she notices that we need more priests. So I think mm. uh, devotions of the Blessed Mother mm. is so incredibly strong. That's why uh, I consecrated uh, the vocation office, all of our work, everything that we do on December 8th, the Immaculate Conception, mm. uh, when I first became a vocation director. So prayers to the Blessed Mother. Yeah, the more the better. But I think the luminous mysteries, I think, fit well with priesthood. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when people pray the luminous mysteries, I hopefully pray them for priestly vocations. Mm. There's also a holy hour we created. You can actually... Uh, get pamphlets and things to Mm. pray for vocations that way as well. Mm. Um, You can invite me out uh, to your community and Mm -hmm. to pray the mass and to talk about vocations. Mm -hmm. You can invite me out to your schools as well or religious Mm -hmm. education. I have done all of that as well and talked to the kids about vocations. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I, while I do, uh, of course my, my job is to get more priests, but I do talk about all vocations when I come out because Mm -hmm. We're all called. So it's not like, you know, I get to, you know, mass and everybody can check out because they're not called to be a priest. No, I, I talk about everything. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole section about what your parishes can do. Sign Mm -hmm. up to offer a holy mass for priestly vocations, Vianney vocations, Mm -hmm. um, vocation lessons so that any kids at various ages can start to think about it and and imagine, uh, you know, if God might be calling them to religious life or to be a priest. So Mm -hmm. a ton of resources here at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com that parishes can find ways to participate mm-hmm. um, very actively in the year of priestly uh, year of prayer for priestly vocations. Here's a silly yeah. question. Um, which parish staff position 
um, is responsible for the year of prayer for priestly vocations? Well, we actually uh, created a whole uh, vocation plan that is going into the playbook for family and parishes. Awesome. So with the director of families. Okay. will be in charge of vocations, but specifically one priest from every family mm-hmm. is going to be in charge of priestly vocations. And they'll oh, meet neat. with me quarterly and hopefully we'll think of creative ways to work together and to get guys together. Uh, I think that's important. Um, mm. It's 71% of the recently ordained men mm-hmm. were asked by their priests to become, mm. you know, consider a vocation to the priesthood. Mm. So we need to get the priests together with the young men mm-hmm. to talk about it, to see what priestly life is all about Um, it was really helpful for me my pastor uh, was from Europe uh, so the main meal was in the afternoon and of course I like to sleep in so I would go to the (laughs) I would go to the noon mass Mm -hmm. and then afterwards he'd say come to dinner with us you know and he'd Mm -hmm. always have dinner in the rectory and there'd be like three or four priests a couple seminarians some staff members or and just to sit around that table and Mm. to just see them talk and I'm like Oh, he can be funny. I didn't know he could be funny. And yeah. oh, yeah. that guy's being a jerk right now. I didn't know priests can be a jerk. <laughs> oh no! I, I, got to I, see I don't hum- think Beth knew that either. <laughs> no, yeah. I've never. Mm-mm. I got to see the humanity, and that's ex- and that's exactly what uh, the Men of the Hearts podcast that I put mm. out is really all about. It's just this idea of trying to sit around the kitchen table of talking about vocation stories, yeah. like mm-hmm. you're you're a fly on the wall, or if you were invited to that mm-hmm. dinner, that you can hear hear a bunch of priests talking about their life. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth had a really good point as we were talking, preparing for this, mm-hmm. just thinking about what are ways that we as priests, Father Craig, uh, y- you and I uh, can better collaborate with lay ecclesial ministers and mm-hmm. lay ecclesial ministers can better collaborate with priests. Um, I think that that's really helpful to think about that, to say, you know, there are certain activities, certain things, especially sacramentally, that only the priests can do. Um, and Mm -hmm. that's a gift to the church. But there are are many things that I think as priests we need to uh, make sure we're acknowledging, building up, and supporting the work that our lay ecclesial ministers do. And uh, I think that's such a crucial relationship, Mm -hmm. especially on the ground in a parish, um, to make sure that there's a real appreciation of the different gifts that Mm -hmm. each one brings. Yeah. I would say invite the priest. Uh, not all of us are like Father Steve, very extroverted and want to be on. Uh, you know, uh, an online test told me I'm an introvert. So. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> to me, it's incredibly hard to just walk into a classroom uninvited and mm-hmm. to be like, hey, kids, let's talk about this and do this. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not my style. I, yeah. I can't do it. And I think a lot of priests are like that, mm-hmm. uh, whether whatever is going on in, in the mm-hmm. parish and just invite the priest into those moments can mm-hmm. be very powerful. And it gives us life. Mm-hmm. to know that we're needed in those situations mm-hmm. um, rather than just kind of showing up and saying, I want to talk about this and I want to do this or mm-hmm. I want to do that. You know, hey, Father, can you come to baptismal prep and maybe just talk about the vocation to the priesthood and, and mm-hmm. how that relates to this child getting baptized? Mm-hmm. I'd love to do that, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm just not going to necessarily be the one to think that up. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Well, one of the things I've learned from Beth over the past year or so in doing mm-hmm. this is just the importance of gratitude and saying yeah. thank you can go a long way. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, as priests, making sure that we are conscious of thanking our staffs, mm-hmm. uh, lay ecclesial ministers that we work with, um, that we're, you know, that we are expressing in word as well as our deeds, the gratitude we have for 
the gifts and the sacrifices they make for the kingdom. Yeah, and I would say the same from lay ecclesial ministers, right? That we have to be also thanking our priests for all the great stuff that you guys are doing, even the things that we don't see. Um, even the things we don't see. I was one time at a youth retreat and um, the priest um, was doing the Steubenville style Eucharistic procession and bringing the Lord around each individual and like pausing in front of each individual teen. And there were 500 teens there. (laughs) It took a long time. (laughs) And and I was so, and and, I mean, it was also a very important thing. Everyone could see, like see this priest, see his vocation, you know, and afterwards when, you know, we were friends, I had a minute to thank him. I thanked him for all the the workouts that I knew he was doing (laughs) at the gym so that he could carry the monstrance for I mean, it might have been two hours, you know, and he left and he was like, boy, I never thought about that as like a part of this. But yeah, my faithfulness there is what made this possible, you know, but I think the more we can thank each other, even for the things that we don't see, the more trust can grow and the more we can find space to do great things together, you know. Yeah. Mutual respect as well, you know. Absolutely. I think Father Bernie used to talk about um, just loving your priests, Yeah. you know, because we can... We could talk bad about priests as well. And I mean, there are bosses or, you know, they do something in the parish that we don't necessarily like. Or even as I remember as a kid, we used to make fun of the priest because he couldn't sing really well. Mm. And mm. it could have just, <laughs> just been my mom just saying like, don't talk about the priest that way because yeah. the priest brings us to Eucharist. No, but yeah. we all laughed because he right. sounded like Kermit the Frog when he sang. Uh, <laughs> right. I had a kid come up to me this week and tell me that. He's like, Father, your voice isn't very good. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Wow. Uh, it was humbling. Yeah. Um, but as we kind of bring it to a close, yeah. I thought it'd be helpful uh, just to think about a priest who's been a big influence in each of our lives and mm-hmm. as a way of building them up, thanking them, or just kind of sharing their witness. Um, Beth, you, you were talking about someone, a yeah, priest yeah. in your life. Yeah, when I was a student at University of Michigan, um, I'd had this big conversion from the Protestant space. Um, I had never left the church, but I intellectually couldn't defend it. So I was going to a lot of churches on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I finally read my way into understanding the beauty of the teachings of the church and the, the fullness that we have. So I you know, was for sure staying Catholic, but I didn't really know anyone my age. I didn't have any connections. There wasn't really a lot happening. Um, for folks my age. And anyway, we had a new priest come to town, Father Bob, and, you know, just working with him and him getting to know me. And we ended up launching a young adult ministry. And he was just a huge mentor in my life, um, helped me um, go um, as a missionary to India and work with Mother Teresa sisters and just continue to care about my life for many years. So, um, yeah, I, I always, I, I think I, I say to him often that, like, I loved the teachings of the church, but you and your ministry helped me to love the church, like mm. the actual church, the people in it, and uh, all the good there. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Father Craig? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, I did it. I did a missionary trip to Ukraine when I first came back to my faith. Hmm. And I didn't know what I was doing there because I didn't really have anything to say. Hmm. Maybe it was just my witness of being a young man Hmm. uh, in the Ukraine because the only people that were in the church were uh, the older ladies. Hmm. Um, But the priests that I saw there were all the Polish priests that were serving in the Ukraine. They Hmm. were all super, super young, on fire for the faith loved what they were doing in such an an extreme difficult situation Mm. like their parishes were 50 miles apart it was the size of a living room Um, a lot of the churches were turned into uh, community centers one was a slaughterhouse one was just a barn Mm. Um, and to see these guys bring the faith back in into this into these people's lives was amazing and they were happy Mm. i remember we were driving like 10 hours he was driving us somewhere across 
all of Ukraine. And he's just sitting there looking at the sunset going, I love my vocation. I love my vocation. Wow. And wow. I just remember that. And I'm like, yeah, there's something to this mm. sacrifice and love at the same time. Amazing. Yeah. It's great. Mm. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my brother was in a religious order and we would spend time with them occasionally. And there was one priest in that order, Father Ed, who, you know, I was probably in middle school and he was just the happiest and the smartest priest I'd ever met and so joyful. And I remember him talking about um, a, a back pain he had that at times just to stand up would be incredibly painful and how he would think about uniting himself with Christ on the cross and that his mm. pain was nothing compared to what Christ gave for him and mm. um, that he was thankful that the Lord allowed him to participate in the passion in that way. Mm. And, you know, the middle school version of me just thought like, wow, that is intense. Mm. And that is intense. And it was really beautiful. And I, I just remember like even now thinking back, Father Ed being just one of the best priests I met. It was so joyful in the midst of suffering and challenge and having to deal with a bunch of snotty middle schoolers for <laughs> for uh, for these occasions and um, just such a good witness to the joy of the priesthood. I'm mm. very grateful for Father Ed. Mm. That's awesome. Great. Well, I know Beth always has us do this at the end, so Father Craig, thank you for yeah. your vocation and your work in promoting uh, more vocations to the priesthood. Thank yeah, you. And thank you for all your, or both of your works. Mm. And congratulations to you. Uh, yeah, yeah Beth yeah. got her master's recently. So we it. are partying, yeah. celebrating, yeah. and giving thanks to God for yeah. all the this work that went into that. Yes. Yeah. If you have any suggestions for my newly acquired free time, I'm open <laughs> for suggestions, <laughs> dear listeners. <laughs> uh, but yeah. what what a huge accomplishment. And it was yeah. being a mom and working full time. Yeah. And like many th years. This is... Yeah. Many a lot of years sacrifice. of work. A lot yeah. of sacrifice. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. This has been the Encounter Grow Witness podcast. This is a podcast by and for those who work in ministry, supporting each other to grow in our relationship with Christ and the church to enable us to be better witnesses of his love in the world. Let's be better fishers of men together. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this monthly podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.